Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the federal government is expected to set aside $40 billion for First Nations child welfare compensation and reform in today's fall economic statement. We reflect on uh, 30 years of failure um, and uh, discrimination towards Indigenous children in the child welfare system, denials of service. Uh, this is 30 years of the cost of failure and uh, that cost is high. The Prime Minister says there are concerns in his government about the Omicron variant. We are obviously very concerned with the numbers uh, that Dr. Tam shared on Friday, uh, but I think Canadians uh, are also very aware that we have done many things to keep ourselves safe and we just need to continue them. And the federal government has not ruled out the possibility of intervening in the debate over Quebec's Bill 21. Bill 21 uh, was voted democratically, was supported by the majority of Quebecers. I don't see how the federal government can intervene in a, a so touchy a subject for our nation. It's Tuesday, December 14th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Mark. So you had a one-on-one -on -one interview with the Prime Minister yesterday, and I'm, I'm very interested to hear uh, how what you learned applies to many of the things that we're going to be talking <laughs> about today. Uh, let's start with the fall economic update. There have already been reports about billions of dollars being set aside for First Nations uh, uh, children uh, for child welfare, compensation, and reform. Um, and what else are you expecting to hear from Christia Freeland when when she unveils the fall economic statement today? Yes, it is true. I, I, and thanks for mentioning it. I did go for a walk yesterday with the Prime Minister as a year-end kind of interview, and I well, he didn't give me any details of the fiscal update, and I didn't ask for them. He was um, he was clearly determined to let me know how excited he was to get past the pandemic and actually start doing the things that the liberals have been promising to do for for years, you know. And he said, "Don't expect anything new, you know. That they have they have signaled quite strongly where they think their focus should be uh, in the coming year." But he. Um, so I think he he would like this to be a post-pandemic plan. But as we were speaking, he was also talking about how Omicron is changing things as they as they go. You know that uh, he had considered a holiday. You know, going off somewhere on a holiday, not to Tofino, um, hmm. but uh, he's going to be staying at Harrington Lake, for example. And he he sort of said uh, Canadians. He doesn't blame them for being you know, worn down by um, by COVID, the, the, the pandemic that won't go away. He called it, what fresh hell is this? Um, so I, I, I found him in, in a mood to get the country talking about what happens past the pandemic and mildly frustrated that we are now back again talking about Omicron and lockups and possible restrictions on on people's holidays. Yeah, and and he did express concerns about the Omicron variant, and um, and I, I know this is this is a difficult position for any politician because it's 
Uh, there's new information all the time, and it's fluid, and it's not clear how infectious this variant is, how serious it is when people get it. The data is still being collected on that. But but did you detect anything about uh, what approach the government's going to take going forward on this? No, it, except that it was changing hourly, as you say. I, I, I got very much the sense that they're watching this. They're tugged in two directions in Parliament over this. You know, the Conservatives want the Liberals to stop spending, and we're going to be hearing about that today uh, when they react to the fiscal update because they're linking, rightly or wrongly, the amount of spending to the inflation that Canadians are experiencing in their lives. Um, So that's going to be one angle or discussion, uh, area of discussion today when the fiscal update comes out. On the other hand, there's the NDP who doesn't believe believes it's too soon to start pulling back on spending. And Omicron and the Liberals land in the middle of this. And I I, I think what we're going to find today is that, that Christopher Freeland necessarily has to be vague because we don't know yet where this thing is going. Yeah, and and so how do you how do you account for that as a government? What what decisions do you make and 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 how do you I know uh, there hasn't been a way to really budget for the cost of a pandemic but how do you how do you plan for that yeah I think that is uh, that's that is why we've been hearing from finance officials or or people in the government that this is not going to be like a budget you know yeah. with a, a, a blueprint and all of those things it's going to be kind of here's the best we can guess at the moment yeah. Let's talk about Bill 21. The Prime Minister is is saying he's going to stay out uh, for the moment. Um, and, you know, there, there's been a lot of commentary about this over the last few days since a teacher in Western Quebec was removed from her position um, because of uh, the, the uh, because of what she was wearing. Um, and everybody has said, look, this is something we could have foreseen. This is something that was inevitable when the bill was introduced. Um, and, and yet still federal politicians are reluctant to weigh into what they consider to be a provincial matter in Quebec because of the, the political minefield that that is. So how do you see this playing out from here? Actually, I thought Trudeau, he said it again to me, but at a news conference yesterday, he gave the answer that I think he probably should have given months ago on this, and maybe, you know, in in some smaller places he did. But he said that for the federal government to weigh in on this would have introduced another federal-provincial, it would be Ottawa fighting Quebec into um, a volatile situation. And he uh, he believes that the federal government has got to, to let this be a conversation among Quebecers. And, you know, there will come a time, I guess, at one point. But I thought it, it was an interesting point he made about we saw what happened during the election when it became the rest of Canada versus Quebec. And he didn't think that was a particularly useful element to introduce into uh, that 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 whole debate. Yeah. I would have, you know, I'm one of the ones who would have liked to have seen him speak up more strongly. He is the son of Pierre Trudeau, and we did talk yesterday a bit about his father. He said he thinks about him all the time. Um, but, um, and I asked him, how do you think your father would have handled Bill 21? And 
he he didn't say exactly what he, his father would have done, but he he got the sense that his father would have done different differently from him. Right. But he you know he's quite comfortable with the idea of being different from his father and and not carrying his father's water. So um, I. I thought I might get him on that one. Uh, yesterday was actually the anniversary of the fall of the Joe Clark government that um, that brought Trudeau back to power. I we didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about the fact that we were walking in the snow, which his father <laughs> famously did. Yeah. Uh, before he in February um, 1984. Yeah. Twenty ninth. Yes. Yeah. Um, we we didn't uh, we we didn't explore those Trudeau metaphors in in. But we did. Um, he did talk about his father. He said that that um, talked about how he had to be a different prime minister than his father was, and it was just because the job of prime minister has changed. Sure, and the circumstances are different, obviously. So that's right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, since we are approaching the end of this parliamentary session and the end of the year. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about where Aaron O'Toole stands uh, as 2021 wraps up and we head into 2022. He's not due for a leadership review technically until 2023, but there are conservative insiders who have been quoted by the Hill Times as saying he's got to do it sooner and get it over with and and move on from this uh, because there there are still people organizing against him within the party. Um what what do you think about that? Do you think Aaron O'Toole uh, needs to do something to to strengthen his leadership at this moment? Well, you know, you see signs that he is doing that, and and you see that he is taking a hard line with critics. You know, whether it's kicking Senator Denise Batters out of caucus or keeping his critics off committees, that that there is an uh, Aaron O'Toole is showing signs that he is consolidating his leadership on the one hand, but but yes, I too wonder how long you can have this drip, drip, drip. And that's the kind of stuff we saw we were more accustomed to seeing with the Liberal Party in its darker days, where, you know, it's every week after caucus now you're gonna have be hearing from from people nipping at him. So I I too wonder can he string this out for another year or so? And does it weaken him in opposition? Stealing way, way back, you have to think, Aaron O'Toole has had not a bad year. You know, he didn't win. But uh, I think if you and I had been talking six, seven months ago, we wouldn't have predicted that he would come within striking distance of winning the election. Yeah. And that, um, you know, he is, um, right now, they're, um, they're a pretty strong opposition. He is. Um, I don't know that he's. That the conservatives are making the liberals quiver, as O'Toole's words. But if, if you stand back a bit, he's come quite a long way, and uh, he, he, the election he ran showed that he is a credible and serious leader. And I think that's the tension inside the party: is if there's going to be another election, and O'Toole has he has he earned the right to run again, and can they? keep their act together until then. And I don't think any of that is out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. All right. Looking forward to seeing and reading more about uh, your interview with the Prime Minister yesterday. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. Hope we don't talk again. Happy holidays. Yeah, you too. That's Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. The Bank of Canada 
has operated successfully with that inflation targeting framework for the past 30 years. And this mandate renewal is a recognition of that. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Heather Schofield argues the freedom given to the Bank of Canada to fight inflation could mean more of us keep our jobs. Schofield writes, The set of instructions that comes with the new mandate gives the bank some wiggle room. Time and understanding if the 2% inflation target isn't always met right away, and direction to use that time and understanding wisely. Let's hope the central bank uses that formal acknowledgement of flexibility for the sake of jobs, workers, their mortgages, and their wages. In the Ottawa Citizen, Eric Blais argues the Conservatives must focus on what they stand for, not who the leader is. Blair writes, Political parties are movements, and when different factions want to move in opposite directions, leaders try herding cats and quickly become the face of the problem. This is where Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole now finds himself. He appealed to one faction to get elected leader, then pivoted to appeal to and expand another faction in a bid to get elected prime minister. It didn't work. One faction wants him out. The other wonders if he can survive. But the leader shouldn't be the Conservatives' brand. The party should be. In the National Observer, Max Fawcett argues, Justin Trudeau can prove he's a feminist by passing the baton. Fawcett writes, It's no secret Christia Freeland is well-positioned to take Justin Trudeau's job when it comes time for his proverbial walk in the snow. But it's the timing of that walk that will determine whether he actually positions the next leader of the Liberal Party of Canada for success. If Canada's second female prime minister is forced to wear the failures of a male predecessor the way its first one did, it will mean Trudeau's good words about feminism were more about branding than belief. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will chair the Cabinet meeting and meet with the Premier of Nunavut. He will then attend the Economic and Fiscal Update speech to be delivered by Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland. And NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will speak to the media in Ottawa. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, December 14th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.